This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Secure attachment is an attachment style in parenting that we kind of say is what we are striving towards. It is an attachment style where there is that emotional responsiveness between caregiver towards child. It is a caregiver that is consistently meeting the needs of the child, both emotional and physical. There's that emotional attunement. They're providing that sense of safety and security to their child. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. This podcast continues to grow because of you and your reviews and your shares on social media. So thank you so much for tuning in and being here today. I am so lucky to have the most amazing guests from all over the world chat with me about parenting, health, education for parents. And today's guest is Jamie, a registered child psychologist, a mom and soon to be mom of two, who lives and practices in Alberta, Canada. And we are talking about how to create connection and attachment with your child without losing yourself. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I love having people on my podcast who share the love of children. Obviously, I would not have it any other way. Not only are you a mom, but you work as a child psychologist. So you are deep into all of this work with attachment and connection and just helping families as a whole. Introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell me more about yourself and our listeners on why you do what you do and what makes you so passionate about this topic in particular. Yeah, no, thank you. I, like you said, I'm a registered child psychologist here in Alberta and I specialize in working with young children and a big part of what I do is supporting parents through that parenting journey. And I have such a passion for fostering that connection and attachment between caregiver and child. And I love working with young children and young families because I feel like I get to be part of laying a really strong foundation for them as they're continuing to raise their children. It's great to start at a really, really young age, sometimes as early as infancy. So yes, it's an area that I love to work in and it's an absolute honor getting to support parents through that journey. Oh, me too. I love going downstream as much as possible to those early years because yes, the foundation is so important. And I often find that a lot of the philosophies and parenting principles that I hold now are actually things that are useful for teenagers and for our peers, right? Like just how we approach communication and feelings and all of that. And, you know, we're going to be talking about that connection and attachment with children. I know we could have chosen so many other topics, um, but this was something that was really important. I know 
speaking to someone who is a psychologist, but also who's a mom as well. I know you've been there through that sort of balance with attachment with the child, maintaining your identity as a mom in particular. And everything that we're talking about today, as a reminder to all of my amazing listeners, this is not personal therapy, personal advice, personal medical advice, nothing. This is just us having a conversation about attachment and you know everything that comes with that. So again, just thanks again for joining us. So the first thing I wanted to ask is how can we create connection and attachment and maybe sort of like debunking some misconceptions you may have heard about attachment when you have people come into your office? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are so many wonderful and beautiful ways to kind of create and foster that connection and attachment. And I'll get to that in a second. I think it's really important to first of all, understand like what is secure attachment and connection and potentially what it's not. Cause I've also been just hearing and kind of seeing a lot of misconceptions around what that is. So first of all, when we're looking at secure attachment, secure attachment is an attachment style in parenting that we kind of say is what we are striving towards. It is an attachment style where there is that emotional responsiveness between caregiver towards child. It is a caregiver that is consistently meeting the needs of the child, both emotional and physical. There's that emotional attunement. They're providing that sense of safety and security to their child. So that's what it is. I'm going to touch a little bit more about what that is because there's a beautiful framework that highlights it perfectly. But I want to talk a little bit about misconceptions. And I would love for you to kind of chime in and tune and see kind of what you're seeing as well. Uh, But what I'm seeing is, I think there's this misunderstanding or this term of attachment has kind of been uh, misunderstood in a way. I think there's kind of been this uh, feeling that attachment parenting means that you need to always be like physically attached to your child, especially right from infancy. But there's so much more to attachment than just being like physically attached to them and about bonding with them. There is also that emotional piece to it. And so I think looking at it's, it's so much more than just that physical piece to it. We want kids to be able to feel safe, to explore the world around them. We have to have that attunement. The other thing that I see sometimes is that in order to achieve secure attachment, you have to be either like physically present with or like engage with your child a hundred percent of the time. Right. And that's so not what is needed to achieve that secure attachment. Or is it a reasonable expectation to have on yourself. And I think if we kind of go into it with the idea that we need to be engaged and present with our child all the time, or that we even need to be quote unquote, the perfect parent who never loses their cool or who doesn't really share their own emotions. I think that really perpetuates those feelings of shame and guilt that so many parents experience, right? So, So all of those things, like we don't need that to achieve secure attachment. The other thing that I kind of see as that misconception is about what does emotional responsiveness actually mean? And so I think there has been a beautiful shift from like more of that punitive kind of parenting style to the idea of like, yes, we want to welcome all of those feelings, which is wonderful. But along with that, we also do need to have 
limits around that. Mm -hmm. We need to consistently have those boundaries and expectations in place. So sometimes what I see is, well, I don't want my child to ever be upset because that'll interfere with our attachment. It's like if they're upset with me or they don't like the boundary that I'm holding, oh, that's going to harm our attachment, our connection. That's like the furthest thing from the truth. It's actually saying like, hey, I am that person who is going to help to guide you, to teach you, to help you know that there are limits, there are boundaries, and I'm going to help you understand that and guide you through that. And so I think there's kind of that sense of sometimes it turning into being like almost overly responsive or even permissive, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. And so I think those are kind of the misconceptions that I've been seeing. I'm not sure if you have noticed any other ones, but those are kind of the main ones that I've been noticing. Oh, absolutely. You started off by saying, I'm not sure if this is going to be something you'll notice. And I was like, oh, let's see. And I completely <laughs> agree. You know, I, as a pediatrician, take care of a lot of families um, from all different walks of life in all different parts of this country where I'm recording in America. And I've realized that what you're saying is something that is common feelings in many families when it's not true, you know, like the mm-hmm. biggest ones being the feeling or need to be physically attached to your child at all times. And I'll get into a little nuance of this, the need to be physically attached and always in your child's face. And then yes, that third thing about emotional responsiveness. I only have a son who's two and a half, but I do believe that we have created this reality that he is so secure with his emotions and securely attached to us, but we did not do any of the subscriptions to the, okay, we have to be attached physically. We allow him space Mm -hmm. to feel his feelings, you know, all the things we were not in his face all the time. And I think there is a developmental benefit of having secure attachment, but also allowing your child some space as well. And I say space, not only physical space, but also emotional space, meaning, Hey, you're going to feel some feelings. I don't always have to fix things for you or do things for you. You can be frustrated. You can be angry. You can be upset, but I'm here for you. Like you said, beautifully as the person who guides this family and guides you on boundaries, but sometimes you're just not going to always love everything. And that is okay. That is okay. I know you still love me. And when a parent can kind of remember that, I think they're going to make the most breakthroughs that you have to dissociate that just because your child doesn't like what you do all the times, you're still going to create secure attachment. They are still going to trust you and love you. If you're consistent with boundaries and you're consistent with expectations, you know, in terms of how you approach the style and situations in your parenting journey. Absolutely. And the other thing that I was going to talk about, because I think it's also important to understand like really what is secure attachment. Mm -hmm. And there is a really beautiful framework or model called a circle of security parenting. And so this is when I wish podcasts could have like, you know, a visual component to it because I'm a hand gesture kind of gal. So (laughs) if you could see me, there's a lot of hand gestures going on. So hopefully I can kind of explain what this kind of framework is. If not, please Google circle of security parenting afterwards, and there'll be photos of kind of the diagram that I'm explaining. But basically in this framework, they depict it as a circle. So at the beginning of this circle is us, the caregivers, and they kind of depict this with open hands, right? When there's a secure attachment, there is a secure base starting from the parent. And so this is when we are emotionally attuned, we're responding to needs. 
we are communicating, whether that's actually verbally or non-verbally to our child, that the world is safe to explore. We are trusting our child's natural instincts of discovery, assessing risk, all those kind of things. There's a very secure base. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. The child then feels safe enough to explore the world around them. So that's kind of like the first half of the circle. So when they're out exploring, they feel safe to do so. And when they're out, you're kind of watching over them. Maybe you are helping them when needed. Again, not jumping to conclusions or jumping to, oh my goodness, don't do this. Stop doing that. It's helping when needed enjoying and what they're doing, just watching over them. But then there's the other side to the circle where we're coming back to caregiver, where the caregiver is then the safe haven, right? Mm -hmm. And so whether that is, I am having trouble navigating this situation. I don't necessarily have the skills to be able to do this. Oh, I'm having some pretty big feelings here. They're now coming back. And that safe haven is how are we responding to our children, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, am I a safe person to return back to with all those feelings? How are you going to respond to me when I've potentially made a mistake? I've made a choice that I am not necessarily proud of or wanted to do, how are you responding to that? And mm-hmm. so that secure attachment, it really is. It's that safety to move away from caregiver, exploring that world, but also coming back to them, knowing that no matter the feeling, no matter what happened, like our relationship is still okay. 
right? So I think it's a beautiful way to kind of see it. And I think that when we look at other attachment styles, part of that circle is kind of missing, right? It's either, oh, kids aren't feeling necessarily safe enough to leave caregiver (laughs) to go explore that world, but also be, oh, they're not responding in a way that is, you know, emotionally supportive or is consistent, right? So I think it's a beautiful way to kind of depict what secure attachment actually is. I love how you talk about that because it is a circle, right? It's not a square. It's not a line. It's all connected, right? Because if a child feels secure to leave the home and explore, and then they're also comfortable to come back to their parent emotionally, figuratively, physically, right? There's Mm -hmm. so much of when we talk about that coming back, but when they have that feeling of comfort going back to their caregiver, but also feeling comfort in leaving, it feeds itself in this beautiful attached in a healthy way, right? Because like you said earlier, you know, there's a misconception that secure attachment is that you are physically attached. Now, if a family likes that, where they feel that the physical attachment gives their child secure attachment, that's okay. But I look at a lot of parenting from an evolutionary perspective. Parenting is not new, right? People had children before social media and before the internet and how when your child starts to physically begin to move, right? Like crawling, rolling, especially that crawling and walking. This Mm -hmm. is a physical sign that this child is wanting to explore their world. And as a parent, I think it's really important to allow them to explore the world with the understanding that you can't let them get a job and, you know, do anything as an infant, but we want to teach them that, yes, you are okay, that you may stumble when you try to walk, but you can figure out how to walk, that I will help you if you need it, but it's okay to explore the world around you. And like you said, that I will be there for you if you need me. And I grew up in a household that had the ladder where I got so much encouragement to explore the world, but I didn't get that emotional attachment of, Hey, it's okay to feel your feelings. And when you are raised like that, I think many people who have that sort of friction in their raising as a kid can agree that you feel something's lacking in that circle, right? It's not a circle. It's a, Hey, I feel comfortable exploring the world, but sometimes I'm going to need someone to go back to and just listen to my feelings and just be a safe emotional space, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. physical or emotional. And that is the beauty. And I love the way you frame it as the circle. And eventually, hopefully, by the way, I'll have visual aspect of this podcast. So maybe I'll have you come on again and we'll record this with a video too, to um, demonstrate (laughs) what you're talking about. But I completely understood just by your description. And you can see my beautiful hand gestures that were going <laughs> along with it. There was a lot of hand gestures going on. <laughs> yes. But no, it's so beautiful. I think it's, again, it's such a beautiful way to frame it. And I think there, again, is that sort of understanding that it all feeds into each other and mm-hmm. it is something that is important. And I guess one of the big questions that always comes up in families and discussions is that balance, right? That how do I make it that my child knows that they are safe to explore and that they should explore the world, but that I am their home and that they can always come to me, whether they are nine months old and crawling or whether they are 28 and married, that there is a secure, healthy attachment there. I guess what would be your favorite ways to kind of foster that attachment? Yeah. And I think when you look at fostering attachment and connection, there's so many, even just like small moments throughout the day where you can do it. It's not like there's one or two things or has to be these grand gestures that show, ah, yes, this is me Mm -hmm. connecting with my child. Like it's those small little moments throughout the day. And so even looking at 
like in the day, I think there's some really great times where like having some very intentional time to connect kind of sets the tone for the day or kind of sets the tone for the evening before sleep. So I always say like some of the best times to connect are like first thing in the morning yeah. when your child wakes up. I think meal times are a beautiful time to connect. I think the other time is like that after school or daycare kind of time again, they might've been gone from you for parts of the day. It's like, how do we reestablish that connection in that moment? And then also bedtime. Like mm-hmm. Bedtime is just the most beautiful time to be able to connect, but it is. It's those smaller moments throughout the day. And connection can come in so many different ways. One is physical touch. And again, this is done with consent and yes. <laughs> in appropriate kind of ways, but we know that physical touch is such an important part of children like in regulating them. Yeah. And so physical touch can look very different, especially from obviously infancy and as children are growing older, but where's that physical touch, whether that's cuddling with them, whether it's holding hands, whether it's hugs, whether it's kisses, whether it's just like being in close proximity to each other, that physical touch throughout the day, the other thing is those small little things of like curiosity, wanting to get to know your child and what yeah. they're finding interesting. How are they viewing the world, noticing what they're doing? Like those small little things where it's like, man, you were working really, really hard on that. You have such an imagination there. I love what you were doing. Tell me about that. Like there's that curiosity. The other thing too is really communicating to your child just how special they are to you, mm-hmm. how meaningful that relationship is and just how much they are cherished. And again, it doesn't have to be these big overt grand gestures. And I often see it's like for me to show that I care for my child, it must mean I give materialistic kind of things, right? It's like, I have to show them love through toys and gifts Part of that is just even communicating non-verbally by like an empathetic gaze or a look at your child, mm-hmm. right? That's smiling when they're looking at you smiling or when they're showing you something. It can be that verbal feedback of like, man, I just love you so much, or I love spending time with you. I love getting to connect with you, right? So just communicating how much that relationship means to you, sometimes even exploring together. One of the ways I love to connect is getting to like tell stories and reminiscing. So my son's only three, Mm -hmm. but we love kind of talking about previous experiences that we've had. It's like, oh, remember that time we were in San Diego? Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll talk about all the things that we did. It's kind of remembering those moments that we had together, but it also consolidates memories, which is also very important for children. Another way is music right? Getting to connect through music. And I do follow you on Instagram. So I do know your love of Encanto. (laughs) (laughs) And everything music, dancing music. We're big on that. Yes. Everything music. And so even just this past week, I'm a very big sound of music fan. And Mm -hmm. my son has now also recently shown a very strong love and interest in it. And I think every morning now we've listened to the lonely goat herd song <laughs> and getting to connect with him through that. Cause of course I know all the words and all the lyrics and all those things connecting through that, right? So connecting through music. The other thing too, is 
having those consistent routines and structure and those consistent boundaries and follow through, that's actually a huge part of fostering attachment and connection, Mm -hmm. right? And the one last thing I want to touch on is one of the most important times and one of the most meaningful times to connect, but probably one of the most difficult times to connect is when our kids are having a hard time, Mm -hmm. right? It's like when those big feelings are coming up, when they've made a mistake, when they're maybe not at their best, us being there to kind of discipline through connection, letting them know like, hey, no matter how bad this is getting, no matter how big these feelings are, no matter what's going on, our relationship can withstand this. And I'm always going to be there to support you through it. Right. I think that's actually where kids get the biggest signal of, right. Okay. Yep. My parents, they are there to support me no matter what. And that's kind of the biggest thing in connection for sure. And I love everything you mentioned because when you describe it as part of our routine, right, it doesn't make it seem any harder, right? Because I think parents sometimes feel like we mentioned one of the misconceptions earlier that I have to carve out this extremely long time. And of course, play is important, but you are going to be able to create those connection moments. Like you said, through everything you mentioned was a routine in a daily life, right? You wake Mm -hmm. up, you have to wake up. That's your routine. You have breakfast or a meal. That's a routine, right? You come back from school. That's when you are apart and come back together. I agree with that. Like anytime that your child is reunited with you, whether it's you're working outside the home and you come home or whether you're picking them up from school, all of those moments I think are so special. Like even from a young age, like if you have an infant and you're listening to this, like if you come through the door, be happy to see them, like, right. Be Uh happy. Like, even if you had a really hard day, I know that's really hard to put that aside, but the first thing your child can see is that even though you had a hard day, oh, this is pretty awesome. My mom came to greet me and got connection. And of course we're going to have bad moments and difficult moments, but it really helps them understand that, oh yeah, this is a safe space that my mom is back and this is great. And then bedtime, like you said, and that can really help where you don't feel like you're losing yourself in the process. Because Mm -hmm. I do feel like, I don't know if you agree, but a lot of maybe first time parents, but a lot of new parents sometimes feel because of these expectations that I got to play with my kid at all times and they got to be physically attached, that you can start to lose yourself in terms of what you need, right? You're afraid to take time away from them. You maybe feel like, well, if I take time away from them and they cry for me, that I'm depriving them of me. No, like Uh you're leaving them with another caregiver, right? I'm assuming, Um, I hope. (laughs) So I would hope that you understand that your child is still going to be connected with you when you see them again, right? Like I worked outside the home and I've had a paid job where I'm not always home, but I can tell you, and I'm sure you can agree. You also are working outside the home that it's okay. If you're not spending so much time with your child, it's that quality that you're spending with them that, you know, I put my phone away and I really try, like Mm -hmm. you said, to really get to talk to Ryan and it's fun. Like he's two and a half. And like you said, you can really learn about their day. If you just you know, chat with them and say, you remember when we went to Bahamas and you remember this and the bucket fell on your head and, you know, water went everywhere. Like it's such a beautiful thing. And it can be done when you remove the expectation that it has to be X amount of time. It has to be this and make it part of your routine. And I'm sure you realize that too. And when you're expecting another child, I know that's going to be how we maintain that attachment, that Mm -hmm. it's not about time. It's about quality. And that quality is possible 
even if you have 10 minutes of a dinner time or, you know, right before bedtime, like you're going to have meaningful moments that you build in to your routine, even on a busy schedule. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And I think that's such a beautiful point is it really is about the quality of that. And so we can have the expectation of, yeah, I'm going to play with my child all the time. Like every moment I'm with them, I must play with them. I must be with them. But when we go back to like that circle of security framework, we actually want our kids to kind of have some of that time away from us, not yes. necessarily like physical, like not saying, all right, please, three-year-old, please leave the home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is like I, a, a huge part of that, especially, and again, we're just talking about attachment and connection. We could have a whole other episode in terms of like independent play and all that kind of stuff. But part of that is it does promote independent play. It allows for more problem solving to happen. It allows for them to use their imagination and pretend and all, we, we don't need to guide them through all of that. And we could even be close. My son, he'll be playing in his little play kitchen for a little while. It might be cooking supper. He'll come back around be like, Hey, look what I did. Mom's like, wow, cool. That looks really neat, buddy. Right. He's coming back in the circle. Then he's going back out to explore. He's making his own pasta dish. He might come back and be like, look what I did again. Right. Like there's kind of that back and forth, but there is, it's about the quality time spent together and like the intentionality behind it, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. We get eight hours of playing with our children the entire time, but the actual quality, like that back and forth serve and return kind of piece might not actually be there, but if we intentionally, even for 30 minutes, like, you know what, I'm going to have this designated time just to play with you. Great. But it is, it's through those small moments throughout the day in conversation in cherishing our kids in all those small little moments. I think that's where it really comes through. It's so beautiful. And those small moments mean so much more to our kids. I don't think people realize that sometimes we think that there needs to be these grand gestures of things. And of course those are beautiful, right? Like just say we take a trip or something, but even like your toddler is going to remember also those little moments where you sat on the couch and snuggled them 
randomly, right? There was no plan. It was just literally like you, obviously you mentioned consent, of course, like that, but like, Mm -hmm. there is this sort of like random affection that happens. And I love that. I love it because it not only is all this important for just the emotional regulation of a child, when a child feels this, they are less likely to have tantrums. Of course, they're Mm -hmm. still going to have tantrums. Don't get us wrong. But when they feel seen, feel connected in these small ways that aren't anything more than like Jamie saying out of your routine, it can really mean that they are less likely to act out or less likely to have a tantrum or meltdown, you know, because they feel seen. And it is a cycle, that circle of like feeling seen, feeling secure and understanding from your parental standpoint that you can have your own life and come home to your child and your child will be happy with you. Your child will feel connected if you emotionally are also available as well, right? We talk about Mm -hmm. the um, nonverbal cues. You talk about the things that we say. I think so many times we forget how important our energy and vibe is, you know, like how we walk into a house, how we sit down with our kid, whether we're, thought I had a tough day versus I am so glad to see you. Mommy had a really busy day, but I get to see you. And that's pretty cool. Like it's a hard thing to do, but I know parents are capable of it. You know, that how can I create some peace before I go back to my child and really just enjoy that moment with them, whether it's that 10 minutes or an hour or longer, but it is such a beautiful balance that when I think a parent can get there, oh, it's like, you feel like you hit the parenting jackpot that you're like, yeah, I feel good about myself. I feel good about you. You feel good about being in this family. You feel secure. Uh, but it's just such a beautiful feeling. Yeah. And I think I just want to kind of go on what you were saying about like when they eventually get there. And I think that's something kind of important to address too, is like when I was talking about like being able to like discipline through connection and being attuned and being emotionally responsive, a lot of that is coming obviously from parent. And I think it's mm-hmm. also really important to acknowledge that for some, especially whatever their own attachment style was with their parent or potentially any childhood trauma that happened yeah. to them, is it's not as easy like said, or it's not as easily said. Oh my gosh, what's that saying? <laughs> it's easier said than done. There we go. Um, and so part of that is like when we are disciplining through connection, a big part of that is, of course, co-regulation, because that's what our children are needing in that moment. Part of that is being able to self-regulate yourself. Yeah. Right. And so looking at uh, knowing kind of what your own attachment style history was, potentially knowing any childhood traumas that happened, I think it's so important to acknowledge that for some, it's not as natural or as easy. And so part of it is if we're wanting to support our kids in this way, and if I didn't have a secure attachment growing up, but I'm really wanting to have that for my child, part of that is parents kind of, it's a whole idea of like putting on their oxygen mask first and taking care of themselves, doing their own healing Mm -hmm. first. Right. And I think that's also part of what you talked about here is we are trying to kind of reduce the expectation that we have on ourselves in terms of like playing with our children all the time, always being emotionally responsive, all of that. But for some, there really is like much more, like a lot of more healing that really is needed. And so I was just want to kind of preface that with saying like recognizing that 
even if you had a secure attachment growing up, parenting is still so, so hard. It is. And then when you add that other layer, it's like, it is not easy and doing a lot of like kind of that inner healing and working on yourself. I just have such respect for parents who are like, man, I want to be that cycle breaker. I want to be the one to really break some of those intergenerational patterns, break some of that trauma that has happened. But I also think for them is looking at my goodness, what are the expectations that I have on myself for that? It's like, it took generations for some of these patterns to kind of come to be. It might take some generations for those patterns to change. And so looking at it more from a, like, I am part of like a stepping stone in creating this change. I'm not responsible for all of the change in one generation. I just want to kind of touch on that because I think it's great to provide information about like, what is secure attachment? What are some strategies? How can we connect? But also knowing that for some, like there's a lot of healing and kind of taking care of yourself that's needed before being able to do that and achieve that. Yeah. And for some, that's going to be doing a deeper dive with a professional, like a therapist. Yeah. And I hope I always have said this and I, you're not the first person on the episode that I've talked with this about, but that everyone should have a therapist. I feel like mm-hmm. it's one of those things that like, you really don't realize how much your past and childhood can come up in the relationships you have with your peers, your partner, and especially when you become a parent. And if that is not something that you can do because of time or cost, but really understanding that what is that self-work I'm going to do. And that work is going to happen simultaneously, right? I mean, obviously I recognize that that work needs to happen because of my understanding of child development and psychology, but I did all that before I became a parent and I continue to do it right every day. The things that I was lacking in that circle that you were mentioning and my husband's lacking, we understand and have insight into, Hey, this needs to change. Like we need to be those cycle breakers, like you mentioned. And so really understanding that you can do things simultaneously, that Mm -hmm. absolutely we're not alone in this, that it is really, really hard um, creating that sort of changing that cycle, but also finding that balance is also something that can take time for certain people, you know, like the balance of everything that we're talking about with feeling comfortable with the level of attachment we're giving and understanding and questioning ourselves. Like, are we doing everything right? Quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Oh, this was such a great conversation. Is there any final message that you would want to add for everyone listening? No, I think we touched on so many pieces, but I think part of it is just knowing that just as our kids are learning, so are we, right? And Mm -hmm. we are going to make mistakes. We're going to... we're, we're going to lose our shit sometimes. Right. But there's so much beauty in approaching it from a, like, I am learning with you kind of perspective. And it's like those times where we do kind of lose our cool. What does that repair look like afterwards? Mm-hmm. I was just, here's a very personal example. Last week I had one of my biggest, like lose my, <laughs> lose my cool on my kid ever. And we, I was, I was able to repair a lot afterwards, but what my son came, it was so beautiful at the end. He just said, mama, we're learning together. You're learning Aww. just like I'm learning. And it's like, we are buddy. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's just kind of going into it where it's never going to be perfect. And if that's the expectation, oh my goodness, that's just not feasible and fair to you. So be gentle on yourself, but it's approaching it from a learning standpoint. We're just, we're learning just like our kids are learning. Yes. Oh, Jamie, it is such an honor to chat with you. I again, just love speaking about 
parenting, about how we approach parenting, all of the things that make us who we are um, as we navigate this, like you said, amazing journey that's very difficult at times. Where can people find you in terms of website, Instagram, if you want to share that and I'll attach to the show notes as well. Yeah. So my website is www.imaginepsychology.com. My Instagram is just at imagine psychology. We didn't really talk about this before, but I also own a small business where I have sensory play kits for kids and social learning tools. And so that business is called run wild play kit. So that's at www.runwildplaykits.com and Instagram is at run wild play kits. So yes, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, if you love this episode, make sure you leave a review and call out Jamie and her amazing information on the review as well. We love hearing that on this podcast. I can't wait to have her on again and future guests as well. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love this show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.